Thank you for joining us here on Thanksgiving Eve. We're going to spend some time in the Word, and as you can see, we're also going to spend some time at the Lord's table at the end of the service. I'm being thankful for the one thing that we all need to be thankful for, and that's who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. As we begin tonight, I want to pose a couple of quick questions to you, because I think we are tempted to overcomplicate things in our lives. I don't know if you do that or not, but I certainly overcomplicate things. Uh, There are complexities to life, to be sure. It's not that everything is simple and straightforward and linear. But I think sometimes, especially with my relationship with God, I make things more complex than they really are. And one of those things that I have a tendency to personally make more complex is the issue of thankfulness. What really makes thanksgiving? What it is that should be in our heart that causes us to have thankful hearts? I think sometimes we make it so complex that it's a series of things that are emotional and physical and spiritual uh, things that are provisional. We, we kind of put thanksgiving into this very large box that if these certain things, these certain conditions are met, that from there I can have thanksgiving in my heart. I was studying a couple of weeks ago, actually. It's like, Lord, thanksgiving's coming up. What do you want to say to your people? And, and I just happened to be going through the first portion of Matthew's gospel And I stumbled upon a passage that's familiar to me. It's familiar to you. It's familiar to a vast majority of the world, even people who don't know the Lord. And because we affectionately call it the Lord's Prayer, it actually is not the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. It's the Lord that's actually giving us a model. But it contains in the middle of it, I think, the secret to Thanksgiving made simple. And so if you would join me in prayer, uh, we'll turn to Matthew chapter 6. We'll pick up in verse 7. And thanksgiving made simple. Father, we have come tonight on the eve of this uniquely American holiday. We may be tempted to think that it was Abraham Lincoln that gave the first proclamation for the first Thanksgiving celebration and truly was something that came from our very founding roots. But Lord, he made it into a holiday. But Lord, it really is you that celebrated the first Thanksgiving and you did it at the cross. You gave us a reason to be thankful and that reason is so very simple. And we pray tonight that you'd pull away all the distractions, the things in our lives, the pies that still need to be baked tonight. Lord, the fact that family's coming, Lord, the extra chairs at our table, Lord, the house cleaning that maybe isn't done, would you just simplify our lives tonight so that for these few minutes we can just sit with you? Would you teach us, Lord, from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, begins this way. And when you pray... Notice it doesn't say if you pray. It says, and when you pray. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. So very often we get programmed. We we do things simply because we've always done them that way. 
It seems like every person I talk to about their Thanksgiving celebration, there are certain foods that are going to be fixed on Thanksgiving. They are not prepared any other time during the year. We kind of like to make things repetitive at times. And I think sometimes our thinking becomes repetitive. Our living becomes repetitive. And because our thinking and our living becomes repetitive, we're repetitive in how we approach the throne of God. We become programmed. And we start praying the same things over and over again. And Jesus is now going to give us a model for how we ought to approach the throne of God. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. It's not about the the quantity, it's about the quality of your prayer. It's about where you're going with what you're saying before the throne of grace. And so as Jesus embarks on this little journey, therefore do not be like them. He says, don't just simply repeat the stuff that you know to say. You don't need to tell God his name 40 times. You you can simply talk to him as you would a close friend with reverence, of course, recognizing he is God. But when you come into the presence of the Lord, don't be like people that don't know the Lord, and here's why. And this is central, it's essential to what's going to follow. Because sometimes we pray, we go to the throne room of God, our thankfulness is based on getting what we want. I want you to notice what Jesus said regarding prayer and everything in your life. Because he encapsulates it in a very simple statement. For your father knows the things you need before you ask him. God is not blind. God is not distant. God's not sitting in heaven completely oblivious to your life. He is not inattentive to the details. In fact, he is in the midst of every single detail of your life. And I want you to notice there's no qualifier here. God knows everything that you have need of. He knows every emotional need. He knows every mental need. He knows every friend. He knows your living conditions. He knows your monetary situation. He knows the provision on your table. He knows your emotional needs, the things that maybe you wouldn't share with anybody else. Before you ever ask God, he already knows what you need. But because he loves you so much and so desires to have a relationship with you that is built on you loving him back, he leaves in view this incredible opportunity for us to still ask him what he already knows. For us to be able to say, Father, I, I, I just, I want to know what you think about this situation. I want you to put into my life the component parts that you believe should be there. I want your will to be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. And so he says, in this manner, therefore, pray. It's in light of what God already knows. It's based on how much he loves us. It should not be repetitive. And God is giving us a secret 
to thanksgiving. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, you're glorious. Your presence is majestic. You alone are God. You're the one who holds the universe together in the palm of your hand. Don't forget who you're talking to. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want you to notice the very first petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Pretty simple, isn't it? That the petition that Jesus gave to us as a model for how we should approach the majestic throne room of heaven is really simple. God already knows all the things you need. And so Jesus reminds us, the God that knows everything still cares about the simple details of your life. He he cares about the little tiny things that perhaps you think he doesn't care about. And this really is the simplicity, if you will, of daily bread in our lives, daily bread living. He goes on, of course, to say forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. He's putting us into our proper place. He's saying, look, you who have been forgiven much should also be forgivers. But central to thanksgiving is this thought in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. How does that affect our true thankfulness or our true thanksgiving view Uh, as we look forward to celebrating around the table tomorrow this prayer contains exactly three petitions those three petitions take care of all three component parts of our life it's a very interesting thing you would expect that from the king of heaven writing something so simple and so so few words would contain so much content in it that when you stop to think about it, it's a little bit tough to digest. Give us our daily bread. Forgive our debts, because we all have them, amen? It's what the cross is about. You had a debt, the debt of sin. It would have cost you your eternity, but Jesus paid that debt, and so he expects us to also be forgivers. Forgive our debts, Help us to also forgive others is the, is the content of that message. Don't, don't let us go down the wrong road. Don't lead us into temptation. In other words, he's not saying, God, please don't lead us the wrong direction. He's saying, don't let us go the wrong direction. I'm giving you permission, God, to step into my life. And those three things work this way. That provision takes care of your present. And that's the focus for tonight. When we ask God to give us our daily bread, we're saying, God, would you take care of my present? And I want you to see why this works the way it works. Because the pardon, the forgiveness of your debt takes care of your past. Your past is your past, amen? Now I'm 
absolutely thankful for what God's already done in my life. But the fact of the matter is, if I will ask the Lord for forgiveness, if I will confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and in a past tense sense, I am forgiven, I'm pardoned. So that forgiveness takes care of the pardon that I need, which is my past. My past is secure. Notice the third portion, that protection. Because you've still got some more days, unless the Lord should take you home tonight, and so do I. What one day out of the past and the present and the future, which one can you do anything about? The present. Amen? You cannot change the past. You cannot change the future. That's why Jesus said, who of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? See that you take care of today, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Amen? So why do you think our thanksgiving is so attached to our daily bread? It is that place where we meet God for today. That's where I meet God in the moment, this moment. And in fact, I would propose to you that it's the equivalent of asking from hot bread from heaven's oven. You see, when I'm looking in my life for God's provision, he's already taken care of my past. He will take care of my future. And the part that actually concerns me is the here and now, my present. It's what I'm doing with what I have today. It's the thankfulness in my heart for today. I can commiserate over yesterday and I can hypothesize over tomorrow, but the only thing in my control is my today. Where am I committing that? What am I doing with it? How am I approaching my day? Am I asking the Lord for daily bread? I want you to notice something. It doesn't say daily chocolate eclairs. It doesn't say daily cake. It doesn't say daily prime rib. It focuses in on the very necessities of life, daily common sustenance bread. And it is there that we really see the hand of the Lord. Because whether we like it or not, not everybody gets chocolate eclairs. Not everybody gets prime rib. But everybody gets daily bread. God wants us to be concerned with the daily bread. And so my prayer should not skip over the daily bread needs in my life. Now you're saying, well, I, you know, I don't really like bread all that much. I like, I, I'm gluten free. Okay, well, God bless you. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. That daily bread is not actually just bread. Because bread in this context is the bread from heaven. 
This is everything that God does every day to take care of every need you have. This is the sustenance of the totality of your life. It's your actual bread, it's food. It's also your home and your car and your fuel and your friends and your emotions, your conversations, your fellowship with other believers. It's your employment. It's your employees if you have them. It's discipline. It's honor. It's faithful neighbors. Your daily bread is the totality of who you are and everything you need. That's why Jesus called himself the bread that came down from heaven. He wasn't just talking about a loaf. He was talking about a life. Amen? He's not just interested in you, you know, making sure that you slice up something that's made out of wheat flour and water and salt. Give us this day everything we need, Lord. And do so in regards to your plans from heaven. You see, when you start looking at it that way, you kind of focus in on just a couple of words here. There's two things that really concern us from this passage. One is the content, the, the, the bread itself. The other is when we should be thankful for it and why. Now, I looked at this word, and interestingly enough, the word daily that's translated here from the Greek language is found exactly two times in all of the Bible. Both times it's found in the content of this prayer. Scholars didn't actually know how to translate it until about 200 years ago. They came across a grocery list that was found inside of a set of scrolls. And at the top was this word. It was literally a woman's grocery list. Lord, I need this stuff today. This is what I have to have right now. This, this is where I, I need to have my needs met. Lord, I'm asking you, when you're looking for daily bread, picture God looking at your life and you making requests and he going through the list and say, well, this we don't have in the store, this you don't need. These things are absolutely essential because it's gonna match his will in heaven, Amen. And he's going to give you what his will is in heaven on this earth. And he takes your daily list of the emotional things that you need. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just food. My thanksgiving is tied to more than what's on my dinner plate. It's the daily sustenance that comes to me from heaven. It's him knowing how much of everything I need. How much of everything I can handle. It's me responding by being anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and through supplication, I'm requesting of heaven exactly as Jesus said and Paul echoes there in Philippians 4. God's going to give you every single bit of hot bread you need from heaven. You'll never be short. 
And that produces in us an incredible thanksgiving. And I broke this down really into just four very simple steps. You see, because our thanksgiving is not tied to complexity. It is tied to simplicity. Real thanksgiving, daily bread living, is gratitude to God for everything, all of his blessings. That's not just abundance. It's not only good things. It's everything that he delivers into our life. And when I look at God's provision that way in my life, when I think of thanksgiving being attached to him giving me what he knows I need and measuring it out in a way that he understands I need it, it makes me thankful. I look at my life and I go, Lord, thank you even for that dollop of pain today. Thank you, Lord, for the need that is in my life today. You see, daily bread is everything. When I'm saying, God, you know what to give me, and I'm asking for exactly that, what do you think God's response is going to be? He delights to give good gifts to his children. His ear is attentive to the cries of his children. His arm is not short so that he cannot see and hear and touch. He knows exactly what to do. So when I ask, having thankfulness in everything, then the Lord answers from heaven. And it makes me thankful. You see, sometimes my unthankfulness comes out of a deep sense, an inflated sense that I deserve better. That God hasn't been fair. And maybe he gave to me and didn't give to someone else or gave to someone else and didn't give to me or I look at other people's things and I say, Lord, if, if you really loved me, The Lord loves you because he gives you your daily bread. And sometimes it seems like that daily bread isn't going to quite go far enough. But God can count. God can measure. And he knows exactly what we need. David writes in the Psalms, in Psalm 145, 16, he says, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Moses, as he speaks to the children of Israel, instructing them on how they ought to speak to God, he says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good of the land he has given you. We're reminded over and over and over in Scripture to look at the things in our lives and simply praise the Lord. Just be grateful. Our country, and I... It grieves me because I believe we have become in many ways ungrateful. We're not thankful for all that we have. And I mean no disrespect to anyone and I'm not pointing at anyone. But I think we can all see that we live in the land of I want more. I gotta have this and I gotta have that. And because of that, we've stopped thanking God for daily bread. 
We only thank God when he does big things in our lives. We're not thankful all the time, and we should be thankful all the time. I mean, look, I was out today and I'm like, I'm thanking God. I'm listening to the rain on the roof and I'm going, thank you, Lord. You just put out the fires. You just saved the state of California four or $500 million in fighting that fire in Santa Barbara. You don't think about it. Are you thankful to God for fleecy clouds with rain in them? Are you thankful to God that the nerves in your legs can feel the hugs of your children? Are you thankful to God that you have a blouse to ruin tomorrow by getting cranberry sauce on it? (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Or are you unthankful because you ruined the blouse that got cranberry sauce on it? You see, it is a matter of how you approach the daily bread life. You see, you can get all carried away with what negative thing may have transpired, or you can look at it from the positive side watching your children play a soft breeze in the evening that stimulates you to think about the goodness of God those things are worthy of you being thankful I was talking with a group of young people last week and they were talking about what they were going to do and they, they were you know all and look if, if you have Disneyland season tickets God bless you but if you have to buy them one at a time, you have to mortgage your children. You can't actually go to Disneyland with your children. You have to leave them at the front gate as collateral so that you can get in. I don't know what it's like, $185 or something per person. Per. So they're, they're like, yeah, we're going to Disneyland. We're like, yeah, it's all worked up and they're gonna go in and you're gonna get this and you're gonna buy $45 churros. And you know, with huge grin smiles like the glory of the Lord has shown upon us. Are you thankful God put breath in your lungs? Think about it. Not just the big things, the daily bread things. Real thanksgiving, daily bread living is, is really contentment with what God's already given us. But he's already given. We live in such a land of plenty, and I don't know if you do this, but I, I am famous for this viewer. Talk to Connie. I, when I go to Sam's Club or Costco and I buy something, if it's on sale and, and it's something I like, it's like, well, we should get that. You know, and it's always like a hundred times more than two people actually need. And so you get the teriyaki rice bowls, they come in a 74 pack. You have no idea where they're going to go. And you get to the freezer and you put them in the freezer and then you bury those things. And like several years later, it's like, honey, there's petrified teriyaki bowls in here. (laughs) We live in such a land of plenty that we forget God already has provided. He's already done it. I don't know how long we could live on the food that's in our house, but I guarantee you it's months. I guarantee you it's months. If you were to parse that out the way the rest of the world eats, it's months. It's months. And yet we're like, well, you know, I I don't know. We're going to miss the sale, you know. 
Are we thankful? Do I have daily bread living in view so that I actually am thankful if I got nothing today? If nothing new, no new friend, no new conversation, no new thing, nothing new came into my life. Am I still grateful to God? That's Thanksgiving simplified. A third thing, it's confidence. The God that provided daily bread today says he will provide daily bread for tomorrow. He's not like, well, if you're good. Because there's none righteous, not one, amen? So none of us actually deserve in that sense for God to give us daily bread tomorrow, but his character runs so deep, you're gonna get daily bread tomorrow too. All you gotta do is ask. All I have to do is ask. And when I ask, I need to be thankful. Sometimes it's moment by moment. It might be minute by minute that God delivers. Probably everyone in this room has gone through those last minute things where you don't see how God's going to make this come to pass, but he does. God is faithful. It's not something he becomes. He is faithful all the time. He's even faithful when we're faithless, amen? The Bible plainly declares that, by the way. So even when I don't have faith, even when I'm not asking, God's still faithful. So my thanksgiving comes out of God's faithfulness. Not my ability to discern whether he has been faithful. He is faithful. And so instead of thinking about all the ways that God should have made a different decision in my life, I should start by saying, God, thank you for my daily bread today and I want to thank you before I get, I want to thank you for my daily bread tomorrow. Do you ever pray at night? Lord, thank you for my daily bread tomorrow. It's such a great way to start your, your day by the day before saying, God, thank you for what you're going to do tomorrow because I, I trust you because you're good. And a fourth thing, real thanksgiving, daily bread living, creates in you a generosity towards the needs of others. It automatically does it. And here's why. You recognize that there is no way in the world that if God's giving it to you, he doesn't want to give it to others as well. And he's likely going to use you to do it. I was so stoked yesterday as we're doing all these Thanksgiving baskets and I'm watching all the stuff on Instagram going, this is awesome. So I'm thinking about the people that we fed on Friday. I'm thinking about all the things that go on on a daily basis, people that came in today and they're getting daily bread. People we're gonna see, they're, they're gonna get daily bread. You see, when you're really thankful, you got no problem helping other people get daily bread. Now, it may not be everything that they need. It it may not be almost assuredly is not all that they might want. But when I start to live with a thankful heart, God is going to entrust to you 
more than you need because he wants you to be able to bless other people for him. You see, it has this incredible effect. That's why Malachi chapter three says, see if I won't keep your barns full and pour out upon you a blessing that you can't contain. That's daily bread living. That's not you doing more, that's God giving more. It's in response to your attitude of gratitude. When I put God first, I don't want for anything and I have excess to give to others. But if I don't put God first, if I'm not thankful for what I already have, why would he entrust me with anything else? It's a very simple thing. You see, of all the things that we go through in life, we we have to look at them from God's perspective. One of his sermons, Dr. Harry Ironsides was telling of an occasion when he was eating in a cafeteria at college. He sat down with a young man, and as was his usual custom, he just folded his hands and bowed his head and began to pray over his food out loud. And, and the young man looked at him. He said, what are you doing? And why are you doing that? It's ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Aren't you a college professor? Why would you talk to an invisible God? And Dr. Ironsides looked at him. He says, well, don't you give thanks for your food? And he said, why? I just jump right in. Dr. Ironsides looked at him. He said, then you're no better than my dog. My dog just jumps right in and he doesn't know God either. You see, sometimes we so miss the fact that God is good that we just jump right in. We just bypass God. We should have gratitude because Jesus is taking care of everything. That's why David could declare in the 23rd Psalm, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's confidence. That's daily bread living. You see, in God's economy, we all are overcomers. We're we're overachievers in that sense because Our lives are directly linked to him. I like to think of it as Thanksgiving Economics 101. You see, it's really simple. Everything you have comes from God in the first place. Everything. The earth and the fullness of it is his. There's nothing that you actually have ever made. There's nothing that you have actually ever earned. There's nothing that actually belongs to you. It's all still God's. From God's perspective, everything is his. So he just loans it to us. He says, look, your daily bread is this, and he gives us these wonderful things. And so it just instills in me a sense of gratitude. Now I'm gonna ask right now that the communion team begin to hand out the elements of communion, and I would remind you right now, because we're gonna go to the Lord's table that we're celebrating the greatest gift that's ever given and the real reason why we should all be thankful tonight. 
Because none of this would be possible. It would be all completely meaningless without what Jesus did to purchase eternity for us because these are eternal things. These are heavenly things. These are biblical things. These are things that came from the throne room of heaven. And so I would remind you, if you're visiting with us, we're gonna pass out the elements to everyone. And if you don't know the Lord, you have an opportunity right now to confess Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. That simply means that you're a sinner. He's the only Savior, and you are resting and trusting in what he did on Calvary's cross to pay the price for your sin, that he was raised from the grave, and because he was raised, you will be raised one day. So you can believe on him now, and feel free to partake with us. But if you don't know the Lord and you're uncertain, then I would just simply ask that you allow the elements to pass you by because this is for the church. This means the world to us. But as you think on what you're about to receive as we partake of the Lord's Supper, what we call communion, what some call the Eucharist, you see, I have this incredible sense that what God's given to me is given to me in trust. He's given me eternal life in trust. He's placed it into my life so that I might give it to others. That I might be salt, I might be light. He's given me daily bread in trust so that I can see my brother who's in need and not harden my heart, but rather be open. Everything we have belongs to God and everything that we possess, it's in our control, is given to us in trust. That's biblical thanksgiving. That's me saying, God, whatever you want to do with your stuff still belongs to you. And a third thing, just because God gave you blessings doesn't necessarily mean that they're just meant for you. God may have given you blessings so that you can bless others. He may have over-blessed you in that sense. So if you think on these things, it produces a thanksgiving heart all the time. It's like, Lord, thank you. You've been so good to me. You gave me everything I have. It still belongs to you, so you do whatever you want. You want me to give it away? I'll give it away. If you want me to share it with somebody, I want to share it. Don't let me get sticky hands with God's stuff. And the reason that's important as you hold now the bread in your hand and we'll wait until the cup comes and we'll partake together. Jesus gave us everything. He held nothing back at the cross. He didn't say, well, I'm gonna pay for most of the sins. He didn't say, well, I'm going to take care of some of the people. He died and said, it is finished. Then he committed his own spirit to God the Father. And so what we gained through Christ's sacrifice is for us to share. Our eternal lives also still belong to the Lord. That's why the Apostle Paul could write, 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, it's such a thanksgiving for who I am in Christ that when I think about my own life, Lord, I belong to you. Everything in my control is yours. Whatever you've given, I want to freely give because you freely gave it to me. Including this beautiful gift of life that we call eternal life. And so as I think on these things, I have gratitude for all of God's blessings. Even the blessings that don't seem like blessings when I get them. Because there's a blessing in pain. There's a blessing in suffering. There's a blessing in want. There's a blessing in bankruptcy if you want to look at it that way. When, when you don't have, it makes you all the more grateful for what you do have. And it makes you understand where that might possibly come from. So even in deep need, there's a blessing. There's thanksgiving that can come from it. I have contentment with whatever God allows in my life. Now I can't explain to you all of the subtleties is why that works. Sometimes people will ask me, well, how does that work? And I'll go, because God is God. I, I don't really know. But I can tell you, I've talked to so many people who have cancer that have learned something through their cancer that is epiphanal to them. It has changed who they are for the better. I've talked to people that have not a long time to live that now have appreciation for things that they used to take for granted. See, because when you're about to go home to heaven, you don't have time for bad days, do you? You really don't. You've only got a few left. Bad days are truly a waste. That's Thanksgiving. When you have had little than little actually you're thankful for. And you see, sometimes in our abundance we actually miss Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that I have certain things I like on Thanksgiving morning. I like the smell of turkey, the smell of pecan pie, and somehow I like the look of glistening cranberry. I don't know what it is. But I can tell you my thanksgiving shouldn't be tied to those three things. If there was a chili dog, half eaten, I ought to be thankful for that too. When you see God meet your needs and you realize that you're supposed to be a window into God's character for others, all of a sudden, Thanksgiving kind of becomes your life. It puts a smile on your face. And as I was thinking about it, you know, we, we attribute, at least here in the United States, the first actual proclamation of Thanksgiving was Abraham Lincoln. And it came 
just after the Battle of Gettysburg. So historically, if you want to place the Thanksgiving holiday someplace, imagine that Abraham Lincoln writes the first Thanksgiving proclamation that the whole country should celebrate a national day of Thanksgiving just after 60,000 men died on the field of battle in three days at Gettysburg. It's kind of a picture of real Thanksgiving. Now imagine that God's own son died on Calvary's cross for you. So actually, the first Thanksgiving was about 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem in an upper room with the disciples. And here's why I say that. Because Jesus, when he took the bread, he broke it. What did he do? He gave thanks, didn't he? And he said to the disciples, after giving thanks, take and eat. This is my body broken for you guys, broken for the world. Let's partake together. As you might expect, after supper, you know what that third cup was? the cup of thanksgiving he took the cup of thanksgiving and when he had blessed it and drunk from it he said this cup is the cup of the new covenant my blood shed for the remission of sin and as often as you drink from it you show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Remember me. Remember Jesus. Remember really what Thanksgiving is about. Amen? Let's partake together. Would you stand and we'll pray together? Lord Jesus Lord we simply begin by saying thanks horribly insufficient words Lord thank you for thanksgiving thank you for giving yourself so that we could be thankful thank you for your body that was broken stripes that healed us thank you you bore our thorns Lord the beating you took you took so we didn't have to Lord we have so much to thank you for and we thank you for that daily bread your provision of your life in place of ours Lord, that's purchased eternity for us. And so we're grateful, Lord. We're, we're grateful people tonight. We're thankful people tonight. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be eternally grateful.
constantly mindful that Thanksgiving wouldn't be a day, it'd be a life that we live. It'd be a life of daily bread living, just looking at all that you have blessed us with and simply having thankful hearts. And high on that list at the very top is that you forgave our sin and brought us into your own very family. Lord, we get to sit around your Thanksgiving table together. Father, we thank you for loving us. Lord, give us an amazing time tomorrow as we celebrate your goodness. Wherever we find ourselves, Lord, with our family, with our friends, Lord, maybe it's by ourselves. Lord, give us grateful hearts filled with thanks. In Jesus' name.